0: Merry Christmas! I love this time of the year when we celebrate Christ's birth and beautiful decorations and lights and everything is uh, full of cheer. One of the areas that uh, I've been reading about in the news where the decorations aren't so appreciated is uh, graffiti is starting to uh, invade our land a little bit. And what we're seeing on the news is uh, teams of people who will go out after uh, a beautiful building or just a workplace has been uh, tagged. And the team will come and paint over the spot that had been tagged. And then two days later, on what is considered a new canvas, it is tagged again. And what if those who were doing that were saying... You know what, it is a good thing for me to do my graffiti on the wall, because look what happens every time I I am given a new canvas. And the other thing that's good is as the news covers this, it highlights the people who paint over their graffiti every time, and so they are shown about what good people they are, and how kind they are to to paint over and and to bring a white new canvas for us to tag again. That would be foolish thinking, wouldn't it? And this is as we look this morning into Romans chapter 6, is some of what Paul is facing with these young believers in Christ. As this wonderful gift, and as we celebrate this season, this wonderful gift of Jesus Christ born... Jesus Christ came so that he would live and that he would die for our sins, that he would rise again and offer life to each and every one. And those who would believe in him and call upon his name and humble themselves before the Lord would receive life, the gift of grace, unmerited favor, and so some of the thinking that was going in the camp was, how wonderful is it that we are forgiven, that we are washed over, and so now let us keep on sinning so that, so that grace may abound, so that it might overflow, truly so that God would be glorified. Let's bring him into the picture as we sin and how good it is for us to sin and bring God's glory. Romans chapter 6. Paul saying, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace might increase? By no means we have died to sin and we cannot live in it any longer. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? And we were therefore buried with Him through baptism. And we were buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And if we have been united with Him like this in His death, we certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self, our old man, was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Man, that's good news. And the young Christians in Rome didn't quite get it. And you don't want to get on them too bad. They're learning what it means to grow in Christ. As many of us are daily, right? But he says, listen, you are saying, you're bringing an argument, well, let's, let's glorify God by continuing to sin because His grace pours out and, they, and everybody sees how much we are forgiven by God. And so let's just keep doing it. Let's live our lifestyle that we want to do. It actually becomes a good thing. Let's cheat on our taxes so that the government might see how much God loves me. Again, it's foolish thinking. And Paul is addressing that, what's going on in the camp. Again, thinking, I might as well sin. You know, how how often have you done this? I I know I've done this in my journey, and I still, I'm sure, will probably do it again. But we do understand God's grace, some of us. We understand how loving He is. He does forgive us. And so, as we are tempted, and then we choose to enter into sin, our thinking kind of goes like this. Well, I know tomorrow when I wake up, and I ask for forgiveness. I know God will forgive me. And you know what? That's true. It is true. But he's saying, that shouldn't be our rationale. That shouldn't be our thinking. Well, God is so full of grace that I know tomorrow when I wake up, it'll all be washed clean again. And then I can go out and tag another wall. He's saying, Your thinking needs to switch. We need to stop taking sin lightly, it does great damage to our soul. We didn't go down to the DMV and here is now a license to sin. Just go out and drive away. And so his response is by no means. Should you do this? And I want you to see the tent. Shall we go on sinning? It's the idea of, shall we continue to have a lifestyle that is disobedient to God? Shall we continue to walk in such a way where every turn we take is taking life for our own? We are living in the self. Shall we keep on sinning as a lifestyle? And he's saying, absolutely not. Not. It's one of the strongest negatives we can get from Paul. Change everything about what you're thinking right now. We need to switch and go the other direction. And what he's saying is you've really missed the point about God's grace in your life. Do you understand what God has done for you? Everything I've been teaching you, Paul says, you have been redeemed, you've been bought with a price. You've been atoned for. There's a covering Over you. You have been justified, declared not guilty before the judge. He has declared you innocent and beautiful in his sight. God has invaded your life and changed you from within, and you're a new creation in Christ. And so we should not and we will not, it is not who we are, is what he's getting at. It's not your new creation. To continue to live a lifestyle in sin. An ongoing life that says, I will choose to tag another wall every day. This is my life. He says, may it never be. And I want you to renew your mind. There's one thing I really, a couple of things I want us to, to see in this passage this morning. One of the things that I want us to see, and, and our brother Chris Rudell used to teach this all the time, and I think he got it from our old saint Ray Stedman, but it was this statement. What is true of Christ is true of us. What is true of Christ is true of us. And we're going to see that as we dig into this passage, and I hope you'll grab a hold of this. And the other thing I hope we might grasp is, is our position and our identity in Jesus Christ. Where we stand and who we are in Him. And Paul is saying right off the get-go, I want you to understand who you are in Christ. By no means you wouldn't live a life like this. This isn't who you're created to be now. And so no, don't keep on sinning. Don't keep tagging the wall. Because you have been a new creation. It's who we are. Peter reminds us in the book of 2 Peter, it says this in uh, 1 verse 4. He has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. That we are ones who now, as new creations in Christ, we have taken on, the divine nature, the, 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 the being, all of His characteristics has invaded us and that we have the image of Christ. And we're participants in that. What is true of Christ and His character becomes true of us as we long to live out His life in us. To understand? The Spirit now dwells within us. And so we're able to live through the power of the Spirit the divine nature of God. No, we are not God. We are not gods. But we live out the character of God. Of his loving Savior. Christ in us. Us in Christ. Unity with the holy. Inheriting the divine. And I think one of the marks of, our, of real Christianity, and as we continue to grow in the Lord, is that we no longer... Live this lifestyle of sin that we used to live. We begin to change that metamorphosis within us. We are sanctified. We're in the the process of being made more and more like Jesus. It's not our driving force anymore to sin, it's not who we are in Christ. And so when a man turns away from sin, he turns to God, he begins to live for Him. And each and every day, as we face sin in our life, we say, Lord, I want to live for you today. I want to live for you, because it's who I am. I'm one who is a follower of you. And so let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And so what he says is, he says, by no means will you keep on sinning. The reason that you won't keep on doing that, he says, is because you are dead to sin. And that's one of these just profound theological truths where we go, how in the world does this play out? I think for many of us, we say, you know, we we believe in the Bible. We believe it's true. We hold on to its words. But when you tell me that I'm dead to sin, I don't buy it. It doesn't make sense in my experience. I have an illustration of this. That's I'm kind of a Monty Python fan. I don't know if any of you guys are. But uh, Monty Python's British humor, and it's a little bit warped, and for some reason I'm drawn to that. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> but there's this movie, The Holy Grail, that, that there's a scene where where there's a, there's a plague throughout the land, and so everybody's dying in the plague. And a gentleman comes out with a can, and he's banging his can, and he's all, bring out your dead, bring out your dead. And people are, are bringing out those who've died from the plague. And one of the characters has an old man on his shoulder, and he brings out the old man, and he's about to lay him on the cart that's taking off those who have died. And the old man on the shoulders, he's about to lay him in there, he's all, I'm not dead yet. And he's all, no, he's got the plague, he's dying, he's dead, he really just doesn't know it. No, I'm feeling much better. <laughs> he's like, no, he's just about to die. I think I'll take a walk now. And, and he just keeps going on and on. He's about, you know, trying to put him on a deal. He's dying, he's got the plague. And, and uh, I'm so happy, I'm not dying just yet. And he goes on and on, and finally they, they get him onto the cart and drag him off. And I thought, that's our view of us in sin. We say in our, in our thinking that we are not dead to sin. Not yet. I still am happy. I still think I'll take a walk in it. I still want to have life in this old man nature. And so we don't want to die to it in our thinking. And Paul is bringing, and i, I got to tell you guys this, I, for the last month I've been studying this passage and it's just, it's just you wrestle with it. You cannot help but wrestle with it. It's it's one of these theologies that Paul brings us where you go, Lord, somehow through your Spirit, and I think that's what we all have to pray, Lord, somehow through your Spirit, help me see who I am in you. Truly. Because it doesn't play out in my life. And and I keep thinking I'm dead. I I keep thinking I'm this... I'm not dead, I'm this old man, still living in this old nature. And what Paul's trying to get at is that's not who we are anymore. We have died to sin. We are ones who no longer live in sin. So what has died? What is it that he's getting at? What has died that Paul is addressing is our spirit, our real core being, who we are. You and I are spirit. And what he is saying has died is that that old man, that spirit nature that was engrossed and enslaved and had nothing, could do nothing but sin. That nature that separated us from God, from the garden. That sin nature in us. And he's saying when Christ came into your life and invaded your whole being, your spirit, that spirit died to sin and now has become alive in Christ. And that's what we have to face as we, as we stand before our Lord and go, but I don't feel dead yet. Because you know, you and I both know, you know, five minutes ago we sinned. And we're like, how can it be dead? I know my thought life, I know what happened just the other day, the other minute. And he says, yeah, he's not talking about sins. Sin. That core nature, spirit nature, that is separated out from God. He's saying that's been done away with on the cross. Our flesh still battles with sin. Our soul wrestles in our feelings, emotions, with sin. But he says our nature is done. And what we struggle with, again, is that we don't think we're dead yet, and and we don't think that's really who we are in Christ And so we we often wrestle with, well, how does he look at me? How does he he view who I am? I'm a total mess-up. I'm a failure. And so we honestly live conflicted in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you in this season, I, I just pray for all of us, that as we think about the birth of our Savior, and the way that God looked upon that beautiful babe, his son, and the way that he looked at him when he was baptized, he said, I'm, with, I'm so pleased with you. That's how God sees us. That is what is true of us. Because we're dead to sin. There's a book. Um, it's really cool. Adrienne picked it up when she uh, spent some time with, uh, with Chris Rudell. And Chris gave it to her, and then it kind of started to get passed around the staff. Uh, Dan Stone's the author, and the, and the book is called The Rest of the Gospel. And I've got to tell you guys, uh, this is probably one of the best books I've ever read uh, on our identity in Jesus Christ, who we are. And uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, I really want you guys to get it. Um, there's no kickback to me at all. Uh, just get it. Uh, I, I just uh, bought a bunch of them, Jackson and I did, to give out to, to as many people as we can. And uh, the rest of the gospel by Dan Stone. And it, it just, he's so clear in speaking about, um, again, just God's love for us, that we have died to sin. And, and it's a theology that's so, it seems so foreign to us. And sometimes every now and then a book comes along that just helps us in our understanding of Scripture. And so I highly, highly recommend it. But here's one of the things that he teaches about, which really was helpful for me. He, he has what he calls the line. And he says, I bring the line because I want people to understand the difference between eternal and temporal. And, and he goes off 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. We fix our eyes. That is our anchor. That's our focus, not on what is seen. That's God, His character, but what on? But what is on, uh, Excuse me. But what is unseen? For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Above the line, eternal. Below, temporal. The eternal. The eternal is, is that which is always now. It, it, it's always timeless. Everything is, is current. It's where God says, I am. It's where it speaks of Jesus never changing. The Alpha, the Omega, and everything in between. And so we live in this, this realm. We live in the temporal right now and everything that surrounds us. And yet what's true, what's really true about our spirit and about our life is that it's all eternal. That's the real that's going on in eternity. And who we are today in Jesus Christ is we are dead to sin. All he sees is you and me, beautiful, beloved, as followers of Jesus Christ, dead to sin and with him. That's the good news. He says this. Unless we understand that our true eternal identity lies above the line in our spirit, our spirit is the identity that God gave us at our new birth, we will habitually draw on our identity from our below-the-line performance, whether good or bad, and our focus will be on trying to clean up our act Or trying to look good enough for God to accept. I love this. He says, we are trying to become something that we already are. Beautiful in Christ's sight. Dead to sin. All that has taken place in the eternal. And here's the one thing, folks, and this is again hard to grasp. We are dead to sin And it doesn't matter if we experience that or not. Because again, we go, yeah, but I sinned the other day. And we want our experience to meet what is true. And where we need to let the Spirit minister to us, honestly, because He's truth, is that whether you have this experiential time with that understanding of theology, it doesn't take away from the fact that it's true. We have died to it. Our core being is now in Christ Jesus. That's the good news. And then we are accepted. We understand that we are beautiful. Our spirit, which is eternal, has died. Our flesh wages war. That's the sins that we deal with. But the sin, the old nature, is done away with. It's not like the old man. We're not dying to sin. The the tense, again, is... It happened. The babe grew up and he died on the cross for us. It's done. Our identity is alive to God, dead to sin. And now we are beautiful in him. And dead things cannot live in sin anymore, is what he's saying. By no means change your thinking. You've died. You can't. You really, as a follower, as one who has the Spirit of Christ, you can't live the old nature. It's done away with. You're dead to it. I know, I know, I know. This is not an easy theology. I don't expect you to wrap your minds around it. I'm still just going, Lord, speak to me about this. But this is what God has given us to bring to the body today. And it's good news. And the Spirit's going to minister to you how He will. But I hope you understand your position what is true of Christ is true of you, who you are in him. He says, the reason that you're dead to sin, he says, and again, it's, it's, it goes to the, our thinking. He says, don't you know the reason? All of us were baptized, were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. A lot of folks try to add water to this passage. Don't you know you were baptized and therefore, okay, let's all go over here to the baptismal and let's get baptized, let's add water to this. It has nothing to do with water. It's an image of baptism. He says, don't you understand that you were baptized? baptizo means to be placed into. Paul is saying, don't you understand that you were placed into or immersed into the life of Christ. You're immersed into his death. In the spirit, in the spirit, our spirit lives were immersed into Christ at his death. We were placed in. And so, what happens at this renewal? Verse 6 says, We know that our old self, our old man, that old nature, was crucified with him on the cross. So that the body of sin might be done away with. We're no longer slaves to sin. And on a spiritual, eternal level, above the line, the way God counts that, the way he views that, is that we are participants in Christ's death. We are immersed in him in a spiritual level. The babe just didn't come for us to to sing nice songs. He came to pay the price for us so that we might have life in him. And on a spiritual level, what God is teaching us is that we're immersed in him. What is true of Christ is true of us. And we're placed into his death. We're identified with his death. This is how God looks at us. We are bound with him in union with his death. And if we are immersed in Christ's death, then here's what's wonderful. Then we have died to sin with Him. We have died to the penalty of sin. The judgment. The freedom from sin. And so therefore, there's no longer any rule or reign. Sin does not have control over my being anymore. It is not what rules me. I am not enslaved to it. Yes, we sin. But here's the good news. And when you are tempted, and when you are dealing, and, and even habitual things that you're just like, for some reason I keep going back to, you need to ask the Lord, through the power of the Spirit, to remind you of who you are in Christ, and say, Lord, I know I have your power residing within me. And therefore, on that computer button that says, yes, enter, I say no. Because your power has defeated that. I'm not enslaved. I walk away. That's who we are in Christ. You're not enslaved anymore. We've died with Him. It's been paid for. Our spirit is alive in God. And so we need to ask the Lord to help us to live in the Spirit. Galatians says, if you're in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. That we become men and women who are in constant conversation with our Lord. Lord, help me to live this day out. My flesh is weak, but your spirit is strong. And I know you will help me to live in obedience to you. It's gotten rid of sin's control, it's bondage, it's rule, it's guilt, it's shame. I had a dear friend who called me the other day. Love this, love this gal. And she said... uh, you know, she, she, uh, she's living her life and, and beautiful uh, young woman who, like all of us, desire to be loved. And in her desire to be loved, uh, she ended up with child. And so she called. And she uh, said, you know, uh, I'm pregnant and I'm, I'm just, I'm so ashamed. And I'm so embarrassed. And you know, just was weeping on the phone and and uh, and because of the truth of who we are in Christ, but the spirit just spoke through me and just reminded her, God is not ashamed of you, God is not ashamed of you. I know you love the lord and." and I know you made a choice that now is going to affect you for the rest of your life. And I know the Lord grieves with you because He knows what it's like to be a single mom. He knows it's hard. I know He grieves with you because I know what you wanted, and you wanted to be married, and you wanted to be a mom, and you wanted that in the beautiful context of, of marriage. I know you wanted that. But don't think for a second that God's ashamed of you. You have died to sin in the eternal. You are his beautiful daughter. And that's all you are. And now he's going to walk with you through the consequence of this. There is consequence. Yes, you've sinned. But like the prodigal who said who went and was about to say, you know, I don't deserve this. Prodigal Father said, You don't even get to speak those words to say you're going to be my servant. Are you kidding? You're my son. And that's who she is. And that's who you and I are in Jesus Christ. Don't you think for a second that God is ashamed of you. As ones who have given their lives to Him. We are dead to sin and we are alive in Christ. And that is our identity in Him. We no longer live in sin. In the position of it, it's not who we are. Yeah, we can't live without it as long as we're on this planet in our flesh. Sins will be there, temptation will be there. But we're free from condemnation, we're free from judgment. And even though we wrestle, and we'll look together, okay, at Romans 7 about Paul saying, Why do I keep doing the things that I don't want to do? And actually, the things that I want to do, I don't do. That's the real wrestle. And I know some of you out there are going, yeah, but this, it doesn't ring true with me. Again, I, I'm sinning pretty bad sometimes. But I hope the, the Spirit will minister to you that you are beautiful in His sight. That my, my child, my son, came for that very reason. That that's your identity. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live Christ in me. The life I live, I live in this flesh, and this body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and loves me radically right now. And He gave Himself for me. And all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, who were immersed into Him, we have clothed ourselves with Christ. That is our identity in Him. What is true of Christ is true of us. And the Scripture says we're immersed also into His resurrection. We were therefore, verse 4, buried with Him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. Look at this. This is why. That we too may live new life. We are new creation. And if we have been united with Him in His death, and we have, is what it's saying. We will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. That's the good news of Scripture. We have died with him, and certainly we will rise again with him. We have life in him now because our spirit is dead to sin, and our spirit now is alive in Jesus Christ. That's who dwells in us. Not the old man who keeps on saying, But I'm not dead yet. No, he's dead. And so we live a new life. And now it says, now you live, it's now it's the idea of a constant habitual lifestyle in Christ. Now you walk in Him. You used to say, I keep going on sinning, a lifestyle of sin, but now not anymore. You live with the power of Christ in us, that we would have Him as our strength in our life. Verse 8, and if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, that's the truth, He cannot die again, and death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once and for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. We have new birth, Scripture says. Ezekiel says we have been given a new heart. We're a new creation, 2 Corinthians says. And now we live in Christ. You know, what? a lot of our Christian journey has been, as we we look at the cross and, and we know Christ died for us, our journey has been, thank you, Father, that you died for us and you have forgiven our sins. And we live in that. You have forgiven me. Thank you, dear Lord. That is good news. I love what Dan Stone says. He, says. he says, you know, that is good news. But after a while, when you look at the cross and when you think of what Christ did for you, after six months or a year or whatever, you start to go, yeah, I'm forgiven. Yeah, I'm forgiven. But wait, how do I live this thing out? How do I do it? How do I live as a follower of Christ? And he calls it what he calls the double-sided cross, the two-sided cross. First side is that Christ died for my sins and I'm forgiven. The other side is the body side. We are united with him in his body, in his life. We are immersed into the old man was crucified. We're united with Christ. And that term here, united, means we're grafted in. It's that John 15 I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you. The, the natural outcome of that is that we take on the life source of Christ. And then we bear fruit in the life. We live life in Christ. Because we've been immersed, we've been placed into his death, we've died to sin, and of course, what Paul is saying, renew your thinking, of course you've been raised with him now we have life in Him. The other side. Don't miss the other side of the cross, that we have life, His body. And God sees us differently than we see ourselves. Again, we keep thinking we've got that old man, that old nature that isn't quite dead yet, but He says, No, that's not who you are to me. I see you, my beautiful daughter, my beautiful son. Who you are to me in the eternal is my beloved. And your life now is is anchored to me and dwells within you. What is true of Christ is true of us. And we live out life in Him. See, we keep trying to get rid of the old. We keep trying to make new come. And that's the lie. That's all self. It's the life of Christ in us that brings life. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, when the old man had control. He came in and he took care of it. It's by grace that you've been saved. And God, look at this, this is our position. This is Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. And God raised us up with Christ, and guess where we are in the eternal right this moment. And He has seated us with Him, In the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That is true. Right now, where God says, I am, that is where we are. Our spirit seated in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I know that's one of those, I understand that. But that's our identity in Christ. Again, may the spirit minister to us there. And so he finishes off with, listen as ones who now have been transformed, as ones whose life is invaded by Christ and what is true of Him is true of us. Now I want you to live your lives. Don't don't keep offering your your lives to unrighteousness, to ungodly. Because look at... This is the verse that... This is, is so cool to me. Verse 10 again says, The death He died, He died once to sin and for all. But the life he lives, now that he lives, that Christ lives, he lives to God. Do you remember how the Lord was always saying, and I live to please my Father. Whatever the Father tells me, that's what I want to do. He said, my food is the Father's will. I live on that. Everything about me is to please the Father. So here it try to grasp this again. I know kind of, first thing in the morning, a little, little, you know. We have been placed in Christ. Christ has been placed in us. His whole life is about pleasing the Father. Do you understand that? It's not us trying to live that life. It's allowing the life of Christ to just live through us like it's intended to be. The Spirit living through us. Not us keep trying to make the life happen. Our identity in Christ is that He lives to please the Father. He lives in us as these vessels, these broken vessels that His glory shines through. He lives in us. And so this Christmas season, as we receive the babe, the gift, one of the greatest gifts is that it's His life in us, living to please the Father. We cannot do it. We can't muster it up. We just allow the gift of life to pour through us. and we say, Holy Spirit, I want to live today in You. I want to live and receive. Christmas, the life of Christ, lives in us. That is who we are. That is our gift this year. Amen? Amen.